I have a very special guest for this podcast. As you know, most of my podcasts are solo. It's a monologue. It's just me talking and pontificating to you. But today I am joined with a very special guest, my dear father, Mr. Avi Wolby. He is here for what hopefully will be the first of many, many appearances on the show. And I want to introduce my father, Abba. Say hi to the podcast family. Hi, everyone. It is such a wonderful privilege to have you here. I've been looking forward to this for a very long time. And I'm particularly excited to have you on the podcast, but also for the subject matter that, please God, we will be covering. Parents have to parent. They have to raise their children. And parents are given a baby in the hospital. And they're not given a manual. There's no instructions. You kind of are given this small little human and you're told, hey, it's your responsibility to raise this child, not just physically to make sure they're well-fed and they sleep and they're safe and they're healthy, but to kind of raise them into a mature, responsible, productive adult. That's a big responsibility on the shoulders of parents. And we don't really have a clear guide. And this is a subject that I always wanted to talk about in the podcast more because it's so important. But people will say, listen, you know, Walby, who are you? Why should we listen to you? What kind of success do you have? Show me your children. Show me the results. Show me that you are a credible authority in this manner before I listen to you. And that's why I've been a little sheepish talking about it. And I, 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 we have done some podcasts in the past, but it's not really a major focus. But my father... He should live and be well. Abba, you, you have a lot of experience, eh? And a lot of success. And the fruits of your labor are already mature. I think your your youngest son, Mordechai, he's what, 26? Yeah. So you have a lot of credibility in this area. And I figured we'd bring you on and talk about parenting with you and you'll share some insights uh, for the audience. What do you say about that, Abba? Uh, sounds very good. I like oh. how you how you present things. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you. That's thank one you. thing you didn't learn from me. <laughs> I'm not too good at that. Okay. Uh, well, I, I, I'll bet to differ, but we'll let the audience decide. Uh, now, the way I want to structure this is that we're, we're going to have a conversation, and the subject is going to be parenting, and you're, I call you the podfather. Because it's like the oracle, the the insight behind it. But you know, all the podcasts that we do, you're like the father of it all. You're the you're the patriarch of the podcast, the podfather. And I think your insights will be helpful not just for me, but for everyone who who listens and and their children. So I want to maybe start off by talking a little bit about your life as a parent, uh, your story as a parent. Um, and some of the successes, I know it's not comfortable to share, but some of the successes that you have been blessed with in your children that will tell the audience, will give the audience comfort in knowing that you know what you're talking about and you have experience and maybe they should listen to what you have to say. So maybe we could talk a little bit about your parenting journey uh, over the course of the last, I don't know, almost 50 years. Okay, um, it has not started 50 years ago. It started when I was born, and I saw how my, I saw, I, I, I am what my parents 
instilled in me and how they did things with me. And I think that was a major um, effective on my upbringing of your cho- of my children. Uh, my parents, Levracha, were very always nice to me, even though when I did the real bad things like every child does. They always dealt with me in a fair, calm, and honest way. They never showed anger. I did, but they did not, never showed anger. Uh, they were all patient. My father rarely hit me. I think maybe once or twice in my whole life. And I disagree with this eating because I don't think it did the right thing. It was not that bad. Okay. But, uh, I saw how nice and how they did the work. And that really made me who I am. I got married very young with my dear wife, which is your dear mama. And um, we had a baby. And I realized that, first of all, I love this child. I love this child. He's my child. He's, and, and I loved him a lot. That was my oldest son, which is way older than you. And um, I I put a lot of thoughts into how really to deal with this kid. Um, I tried always to be nice. I'm not the same nature as my father, so I can't do what he did, okay? I'm much more, uh, maybe aggressive, call it. I I can can give a patch, you know, on your face when I really get upset. But I, I never showed it. I, 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 I had to let go of my emotions, and and I think my kids, my children, know bad, know it. So uh, it was a long ride. In other words, it was, uh, I would say, forty years of raising children. And Baruch Hashem, every single one of our children, our children, are successful are doing what they do best. So, and they do it with, with, with Yerash Shamayim and with love to Hashem as well. It's not only the good to the world, the good to themselves and to Hashem. They do the right thing. All my children, uh, all nine of them. Well, uh, of course we know who the star is, but we'll, we'll talk about that afterwards. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. No, they're not perfect. <laughs> But uh, great kids, uh, every single one of them, I have a good relationship today. But my oldest son is almost 50, and uh, my youngest is 26, and I I have great relationship with every single one of them. So so we did something right. So first of all, I never changed my nature. I'm always the guy that says no. But I'm so lucky that my wife is always the person who says yes. So they would say, Abba, can I have this? And I said, no. And he must say, yes, come, 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 I'll give you. <laughs> this is how it worked. It worked fine. I didn't mind that she gives it to you, but I am the tough guy. But it, uh, the bottom line was that I loved my children. I, unexp- I don't know how to describe it in, your, in, in, in English. I just don't know. I, I, my whole heart was loving to them. Unconditionally. It was my unconditionally love. 
And, uh, and I think that's key number one to raising children. You have to love your child no matter what. Okay, so that, that's established. So if I could summarize, you're telling me, you're telling us that, you know, we, we know one parent or one per- parenting model best, and that's the one that we grew up in. So if you are fortunate enough to grow up with exquisite parents who don't get angry, who love you, who have a, a, a long leash, who are very tolerant, very patient, care for you, always nice to you, understanding. If you're fortunate enough to be born in such a family and to be raised by such parents, well, you have a head start, of course, in life, because that's going to you know, raise you, please God. Such an environment is very conducive to raising a child, uh, a child who's going to be responsible and healthy and balanced and good, you know, a good productive member of society. But also when you become a parent, you kind of subconsciously adopt the the methodology, the modus operandi of your parents and say, this is what you know, and this is what you, what you deploy in, in, in your home. And you're telling us a very deep insight that it's important to keep control. You know, uh, I also have some children, thank God. And I know how frustrating it could be when the kids misbehave or they make messes or they, they do things that are so – make you want to pull your hair out and you want to just scream and hit them and throw stuff at them and, and respond in a just an instinctual way. With, with, with impulsivity and you have to control it. And you have to be patient. I, I remember Saba. So, so just for the audience here, uh, my father is Abba, which is the Hebrew word for father. And my grandfather, blessed memory, my father's father is Saba. It's a little confusing. Abba, Saba. So, um, Saba said, I remember hearing him say this, that the, the principle of parenting is actually Learning to control yourself. It's learning to have good character because bad character equals bad parenting. You know, if you're someone who's very impulsive, very quick to get anger, you have a temper problems, you're going to let that on your, on your kids and they're going to resent you. And this beautiful relationship that you have with your children, Abba, that is the product of having a loving environment when they grew up. If it was a domineering, totalitarian uh, environment where there was violence and aggression, it wasn't a safe place, the kids will say, I'm out of here. I'll see you later. I'll send, I'll send you a postcard. Uh, but if, if they grow up in such an environment where the, where the parents are overcoming their impulses, then that is going to be a very healthy and, and safe and, and, and good place uh, to foster, uh, please God, uh, good children. So Saba used to say that the number one principle of parenting is to overcome your bad instincts and your bad character and your bad character traits. And if you get envious, you're jealous. Oh, look at the neighbor's kid. Look how well behaved. Look at their academic scores. And look how well they're doing in class and how respectful they are and how put together they are. And look at you. You're like a schlub. You're a schlamiel and a schlamazel. You're not dressed well and, and, and you're, you're so crazy and so nuts and you're so uncontrollable and so wild. And, and your, 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 your academic stores are dismal. Envy can cause you to be, parent poorly. So envy and anger and you want honor. Look at my children. All those things, bad character lead uh, to bad parenting, which leads to, to, uh, bad results. That's number one. To love the child, love the child unconditionally, overcome your 
emotions that may be leading you astray and marry well <laughs> because this is a this is a partnership right a father mother husband wife uh, they're literally partners in the child each contributes something just to the biology of the child but when it comes to raising the child it's it's a team sport and if uh, you have a good partner you're you're in luck because if you're butting heads with each other and you're not synchronized in what you want to do well then you're you're in big trouble because it's going to be really hard uh when the kid gets mixed messages or one of the parents is uh, off the rails or not as interested or focused on how to do this properly it's not going to be uh the right environment or the best environment the ideal environment for raising uh children wow what a way to get started this is amazing pops i'm looking forward to this <laughs> well we have it Let's go. Okay. So let's, let's get into some of the, uh, the kind of the basic ideals of, of parenting. What are some, just some basic rules, some good principles, some good foundational insights that parents need to know and need to, and need to remember if they want to raise healthy children. And when we say healthy children, we're talking about the full gamut, right? We want our, our children, of course, to be, you know, socially balanced, have social skills, but to be responsible, to be physically healthy, to be mentally healthy, emotionally healthy, to be successful, whatever they choose to do, to be balanced in life. Of course, as Jews, we want our children to be good Jews as well. We want them to be religiously healthy as well. We want our children to have the same values or at least, you know, the same general priorities that we have. So there's really a lot of things we're trying to do with our children. And if we uh, we don't parent and we allow it to just be random, we don't know who's going to influence them. So what are some of the main principles that, uh, that you can share with, with us about how to raise healthy, good, successful, balanced children in, in all areas? I know this is a very open-ended question, but I think it's a good way to just dive into this uh, very critical and important subject. Okay, we come to think of it is two angles to this. Number one is the, the relationship that I have with my child and the relationship with me and my child against the world. I'll give you an example of two. When the teacher calls me up and says, hey, your child is uh, impossible for whatever reason. Could has, be that he's has, eating has that pretzels. Ever happened? Has that ever happened? <laughs> I'll be shocked. It- I'm shocked to learn that that happened. <laughs> <laughs> like, like he's eating pretzels in the middle of class. He's sitting with his feet on the table and in class. Okay, so what do you? How do you react to this? You hug your son or daughter, and you kiss him, and you say, "I love you, my kid." In class, the teacher should not be suffering this. This is not right for him. I understand you, and I love you, and I think it's very cool to have your feet on the table while the class is going on. But you can't. Class can can look that way, so try to avoid it. That's when it comes to my child. When the teacher calls me and says, "Hey, you kid is nuts. He's eating pretzels in the class. He's putting his feet." In. So I said, "So I said, so a overlook. Try to overlook. I'm telling the teacher, try to overlook it." And you know, I'll I'll have a word with my son. I'll tell him how improper it is. Um, let's try to gently walk him out of this behavior, and it'll work. Um, 
I have many examples for that. But a teacher calls me once, a few times, a principal calls me, says, you have to hit, hit your child. You have to, it, it, behavior like this is unacceptable. Well, and I just want to point out that you raise your children in a different era than it is today. Like today, no one would say that because the idea of, you know, corporal punishment hitting the kids, that just doesn't really exist okay. today, mm-hmm. thankfully. But in a different era, the, the, the principal called you up, let me just repeat this, and said to him, right. your child is such a wild maniac, you got to slap him, you got to beat him up a little bit. <laughs> right. No, that was, yeah, that was the principal. So the principal happens to have been or is a Talmud, a student of my father. So I told him, you know what? Let me call up my father. Hear what he says. Because I think I shouldn't touch the kid. Let's hear. I called up my father. I said, Abba, what do you say about this? He says, tell him I said not to touch a kid. <laughs> That's what he said. I called him back and I said, look, you're a rabbi. My father told me to tell you, do not touch the kid. And he accepted it? Hate. What? He accepted it? I, I never heard from him since. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. And I always was on the side of the child. That's a very important thing. In other words, a child comes to me, and I, I know as a ex-teacher and as a student that the teachers are not always right. There are many times they're not right. And I don't know what happened. The kid is telling me one thing, and the Rebbe or teacher tells me another thing. So how... What's the truth? What's the MS? So I, I don't take uh, any of those sayings uh, as, 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 as they heard, they're heard. But I, I tried to investigate. First of all, I took, took to my child and asked him, what, what happened? Tell, tell me what happened. And he tells me his side of, the, of it. Yeah, I was, I was hungry and I had pretzels. So I ate them in class. And I, not a big sin. And the teacher tells me a different thing. So I told, I tell the teacher what I told the teacher and I tell the, the, my son what I told my son. But I expected, I, I had a case with one of my children that he knew nothing in class. Nothing in class. So academically, he's just not at all participating. Academically, he was nothing, nothing. He never participated. He, he didn't disper- disturb, but nothing. So again, I called my father and I said, Abba, what do we do? So he said, leave him alone. Leave him alone. Leave him alone. He'll be all right. Ended up that the kid is very, very successful these days. Very successful in whatever he does. The, the, the teachers expect a certain thing from you, which the kid doesn't necessarily, isn't necessarily able to, to, uh, to do. But he's going to end up being good if you treat him right. You got to treat the kid, the child, or the student fairly. In other words, I never took the side of the teacher and said that the teacher said you're not behaving. Boom, boom, boom. No. I, I, I let it, let it go as much as I can. When the teacher says I calmed him down somehow, I, you know, I, uh, bribed the teacher to, to leave him alone and it worked. The result is good. So I guess this is a good way to do it. So uh, it, can I maybe take a, a one angle of this and see if we could go down this line? We have parents, and the parents, they're there for the long term. Right? When, you're, when you, you have a child, you're responsible for that child. 
You are responsible for that child. And that child is, God forbid, a failure. Listen, we're not pointing fingers. There is responsibility on the shoulder of the parent. It's their job to raise this child and steward this child so they are successful. And of course, we're not judging anyone. You know, Abraham had Ishmael and Isaac had uh, Esav, right? Uh, it's hard for us to know exactly what, who the fault is. But we believe that there's a real responsibility on the parent to raise the child properly. The teacher has a similar responsibility. The difference is the teacher has the child for a year and the parent has a child for 30 years until when, till, till, you know, till, till they're off their books, you know, till, till they're, they're, they're on their own. They're, they're responsible on their own. Like Saba used to always say that parenting is like taking a, a candle that's lit and touching it to the candle, which is unlit and holding it there until the first candle, candle can be removed and the second candle is, is lighting on its own. That's, that's how he described parenting. So until that candle is, is, is burning on its own, the parents gotta be there. And of course, if the parents' candle is not lit, if they're, uh, off their rocker, then, uh, they may have a hard time doing a good job. Maybe in such a case, it's better to find some other candle that could be helpful to, you know, supplement for what's missing. But the parent has to be there for the whole picture, for the long duration. It's a long-term thing for a parent. The teacher has them for a year. So there's a little bit of a, of a tension here. You know, the, the, the teacher has to teach. And there's one crazy kid. And he's eating pretzels and he's putting his feet, feet on the table and he's not behaving. He's not learning. What am I supposed to do with this kid? And the parent is saying, well, if I take drastic action now, I, I got to deal with the long term. It's, it's a 30 year project. And if I want to, if I'm going to artificially push the kid too hard now, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to break them or I risk breaking them. Maybe their particular Way that they're supposed to grow and flourish, it's much slower. It's more, it's, 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 it's more patient. I always say that if you want to build a tall building or even a small shed, you're going to have some debris field, right? You're going to have to, there's going to be a construction site. And the taller the building, the bigger the building, the more debris and the more construction, the more chaos and the longer it takes. The longer it takes. And therefore, if we want to build our children into being really phenomenal adults, it's a long-term project. And the, and the, the teacher has a much more short-term view. Of course, you know, good teachers are also thinking long-term, but still, they, they're dealing with the child day after day and they have them for a year. So there's tension here, or there could be tension. And you're resisting, you're standing in between, you're trying to kind of limit the crossfire to limit how much projectiles are going here between the parent, between the, the teacher and the student. And the, the, the principal says, hit him, hit him. And you say, no, hold off, hold off. Who knows what's going to happen? I don't want to ruin uh, the child. And you're, the child feels like, you know, you're his ally. You're understanding him. You're, you're seeing his, uh, his, his perspective. And that, wait, that was a very important point. Once the child feels that you're on his side, that's what I want. I, that's exactly the purpose of the whole thing is the child to see that you are on his team. Yes. So you and don't this, just automatically the, take the opinion, the position of the teacher. Right, right. And you have to respect the teacher and you can't do things that bother him for this one year that he's teaching you. Next year you can do it to maybe to the next teacher. But this year he, he's sensitive to that. You have to avoid it. So this way you, you, you make peace between you and your child and between the child and his teacher, Rebbe. Mm-hmm. I always think of it, you know, cause my, my children, you will be unsurprised to learn 
they have some of my genetics. <laughs> uh, and uh, if I don't, if I'm not misquoting you, thank God you had nine, you have nine children. I remember hearing you saying that maybe one of them was more difficult than all of them. Is that fair to say? Sure thing. And uh, maybe it was me. I don't know. <laughs> was maybe? it? Maybe. Not, not even close, <laughs> no, I, right? I, I, I never measured you or anybody against anybody. Each one is different. It's different. And each one produces different things. Right. Some can be great people and some can't. And they're both children and both good people. Right. So with, that's with, what with, with my children, I, I have this tension between the, the teachers and the schools and the child, what I think is best for the child, almost with every one of them. And I'm always thinking like how far, like how elastic are these teachers? How elastic? I'm going to try to pull them to the absolute limit of what they can handle without kind of coming down uh, on the child. I want to create as much latitude, as much space for the child uh, as possible, as as they're willing to tolerate. I try to find what they're willing to tolerate and go just up to the edge, uh, and then you know hold on for dear life, hold on for dear yeah, life because it's a long term project. That la- has to last one year only. That's the whole point. With the teacher, it lasts one year, and with the parent, lasts a lifetime. Yeah. So the parents has to try to come down both sides, you know, to somehow go through this year and get to the next year with new issues. It's like a diplomat. You know, you have two warring countries and Henry Kissinger shows up and he's trying to make all these and they, they want blood and they want blood and you got to find a way to make some some sort of peace. <laughs> yeah, lucky lucky us that we have one year with each teacher. Yeah. Imagine if that teacher would be there for Two years. <laughs> it, would, it, would, it wouldn't work. I, I remember thinking, right. I had this thought um, just recently that there was one year, it was, I was in seventh grade, and the, the teacher, so, um, you know, in our schools, in our community, there, there's going to be multiple teachers, obviously, but there's the Judaic teacher, the Rebbe, and that's kind of the bulk of the Daily schedule is is Judaic, is Torah, and then there's the secular studies as well. It's it's a, it's a hybrid. It's a dual track curriculum. So the Rebbe, the Judaic teacher, he he really was an angel, very patient, very soft spoken, and very understanding. And he needed that for me, but I think I exceeded. I exceeded. I went past what he could handle. And I remember once he snapped at me and I was thinking now, this is going back, I don't know, what is this, um, 25 years or so? I remember thinking now, like if only, if only he could have just had a little bit more patience with me and, and how my view of him would be different. I know I, I demanded of him just, just who I was, just this crazy, crazy kid who I was then, I demanded so much of him. And he really had it. He had so much patience. But I kind of, I went a little bit past and he he did snap once with me. And I remember like that kind of colors my whole relationship with him. I haven't spoken to him or thought of him in a long time. Whenever I think about him, I think about kind of where I went wrong. And I, I had this thought just uh, a couple of weeks ago, like if only he had just a little bit more patience. And I was thinking like how important that is for me with my children. 
to just realize like this is a work in progress and I need to have patience and I need to kind of rein in my impulses. And sometimes you have to just hold on, hold on, hold on because this is a long-term thing and you don't want to ruin it. Yaakov, if you wouldn't have that little time that that Rebbe uh, blew up on you, you know, then you wouldn't be able to say it now. In other words, what we're trying to do is to minimize it, not to, to, to have it gone. You should know that that guy was suffering from you the whole year, and one minute he lost it and he gave it to you. Now you know it. In so you're words, saying it's actually beneficial. It's beneficial yes, that he had a little uh, even eruption. Even for you, right. Wow. Right. Well, I guess it was helpful for me because now when you know when you're a child – you think that you're completely righteous. It's very hard. It's even for adults. It's very hard for to, for them to, you know, to get them to admit that they were wrong, right? Certainly, a child like you know, you know I'm, I'm I'm the right, I'm right, and the teacher and the rebbe and the parent and the principal and everyone is they're just out to get me. And you know, we have all these defense mechanisms that we deploy, right? Where like it's very hard for us to admit when we're wrong. A child is definitely like like that. And therefore, there is going to be some built-in animosity if someone accuses them of something. You know, if someone, if someone has a, a, a negative, uh, a negative a posture uh, towards them. Wow. So uh, this is great. So, uh, so we're saying that the, if we're going to list out the, the some of the main principles of raising healthy children, we have this idea of of being an ally for your child, of investing in the relationship with the child, of trying to be as gentle as possible to the child, of overlooking and ignoring things uh, and and kind of resisting uh, when maybe a, a teacher or some other authority figure is trying to do something that you think is harmful, you have to kind of get in between that to make sure because you understand that uh, this could be a potential risk for the long-term uh, viability of the, of the child. Now, I want to I kind of um, ask a question just uh, uh, on this. You're talking about overlooking things and ignoring things. Isn't there a risk of overlooking something and ignoring something? The child's not doing well in school. The child does something which is problematic. So when do we know or or what are some of the principles of when we should overlook and ignore and just make believe it never happened and and, and think long-term he'll get over it, be patient? And when are the times that we have to actually intervene? So a parent needs to know that as well because there, there's, there's bumps along the journey every single day. So what are the things that you jump to intervene with and what are the things that you say, okay, they'll work it out eventually? Well, there's a greater risk in not saying certain things than saying them. In other words... You have to have your own scale of importance, your own. That's the way you want to give to your child. There's certain things that are no-no, as they call it. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's certain things which are, you know, you can live with. Is a, a different child. When a child does something, a child is, let's say, an example. I don't know what it, it's really something wrong. He. He lit a candle on Shabbos. I'm just giving an example. It does something really that that is a no-no. So then you're tough on that point. This is something we don't do. Okay? Not even by mistake. There's certain things you don't, you just don't do. 
But other things overlook. I mean, he's not you. You are doing differently than him. You're adult. He's a child. Okay? He has some freedom there. Okay? But not on the things which are unacceptable. So there are some deal breakers. There are, there are some things that are right. absolutely, absolutely un, uh, intolerable. Um, right. And the things that are, that are intolerable, those things, you come down hard and, and, and strong. And hard? Strong, yes. Not hard. In other words, you don't hit him for that, but your reaction is really strict. This really strict. is no. This should never happen again. Okay? But loving him, and you can kiss him at the same time. You understand what I'm saying? You just, yeah, so like, for example, l- l- let me think of an example that, uh, that, um, that I use uh, with my children. I know that if I see a child hitting a parent, you know, the kids, sometimes they, they behave and they, they get upset. Oh, I'm, you're not buying me this ice cream. And they start hitting. Like, to me, that's an absolute no-no. Whether they hit me okay. or, or my wife, even little kids. Like, that's something right. you don't do. And I, and I, I and I would, I would, I would slap their hand and say, this is something you don't do. Very good. Uh, um, but if it's something more minor, you don't, you just ignore it. You ignore or you make a comment, a nice comment. Proportional. That's fine. Right. With a touch, with a hug. You know, sweetie, you don't do this. You know, this is not nice. This is not, you know, you want to be a good person. This is not a good person. So don't do it. Even the iron fist has a velvet glove on top of it. <laughs> yeah. But again, there's certain points that you have to be very strict. Yeah. Yeah. So what were some of the things that you were strict on? Like what would be some examples of, of things that you don't tolerate? I found that one of my kids stole something. I dealt with it. I made him give it back, and uh, I was very tough on that, and uh, never heard of it again. It was repaired. I think it was repaired. I can't think of many examples like this because I, I'm really, I'm myself not the nicest kid in town. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I misbehaved many times, so so. So my my uh, my sensitive level is 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 very low, very high level of tolerance. Mm-hmm. What was that? H- high level of of tolerance. Anything that is not is, that is mutter. Yeah, it means permitted. Anything that, permitted, right? And uh, anything that really doesn't play a major role in hitting you. When you hear about it, you say you don't say, oh, God, this is terrible. It's, a, it's not right. It's a misbehavior of a child. He's a child. He's learning how to be an adult. And uh, he's not yet. So once you teach him that this behavior is not an adult proper behavior, he hopefully will learn if you love him. And I say again, loving him is the key to everything. He can take a punishment if you do it with love. Love means holding his hand, walking, always hold his hand when you walk. Walk together to, to shul or to, to visit, hold his hand, hug him. My kids absolutely Kiss. refuse, the older ones, they refuse to have me hold their hand. <laughs> okay, so no. Ah, so but you're embarrassing me in front of my friends. 
<laughs> okay. So don't. So don't. But but the kid needs to know that he really wants to hold your hand all the way through. That I think that's very. I see people walk in to to shul, you know, like the kid is a stranger. He's he's four feet behind them walking, and they go to sit wherever they want. They don't even look where he sits, or they don't care where he sits. It's you have to show caring. You have to show love to your kids, and you should have it naturally because you love the kids. They're your children. So, so it shouldn't be a, a difficult thing, but you have to focus on the child when you're with the child. And but we're also saying something with which I think is very noteworthy. So yes, if you have all that love, that's like the currency that you have. That's the you, your ability to influence them is 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 subject to your love of them. If you don't love them, nothing else matters. But there are things that you just ignore, like you know the kids the kids misbehaving by the Shabbos table. You have a nice Shabbos table and the kid's misbehaving uh, or, or they're not behaving properly. So that's something that you would just ignore, right? It doesn't really matter. They'll, they'll grow up, they'll grow out of it, no big deal. You don't have to ignore. You have to call him, hug him and kiss him and say, now you sit on my lap. How is that for a reaction to misbehavior on the Shabbos table? The opposite of what... A different parent would do. A different parent would say, smack "You him sit up. down. You sit down, and you sit in your chair. And I don't want to see you all <laughs> horsing around." <laughs> that's one way to do it, but that's not. I don't think that's a productive way. Productive way is to show him love instead of what he did. Yeah. Okay. He knows it's wrong. So he or I, she, of course. I, I have some things that really trigger me. Like, for example, if we're having a Shabbos table. And my kids are all voracious readers, voracious readers. They all love to read and they would just read and read and read. Um, even the younger ones, they, they could read, they could sit down by a couch and read for five hours. Just no problem, which is a beautiful thing because they learn a lot of words and a lot of knowledge. And, but like, strange I don't, kids. Ah? <laughs> strange. strange. <laughs> they, they, they get it okay. from Chaya. They, they get it from they get it, No, they get it from their father. You're the same thing. Well, not okay. as a child. Now. <laughs> So, I I don't like that the kids sometimes they don't want to participate in the Shabbos meal and they want to instead read. It just drives me mad, and I know I, I know that it, it's it's something which maybe I should I should ignore, but maybe everyone can have their things of of the thing you know everyone can have that list of things that that are very very important to them, even if it's not objectively that important. Means that there isn't like you know if someone's if a kid's running into the street everyone knows that that's dangerous that's not that's not tolerable of course someone's doing you know kids doing something absolutely crazy that everyone agrees it's not tolerable but then every parent maybe should have the things that really matter to them and for some it's let's say academic success if you if you don't if you're failing your class I, I'm not tolerating that if that's very important to to what some what one parent perhaps and maybe another parent could say well. The academics, you'll work it out eventually. Yeah, you'll, you'll do fine, I'm sure, eventually. But I want you by the Shabbos table for a certain amount of time. I'm not going to force you to stay there for, you know, for, for, for three hours listening to me pontificate, but I want you to be there and I want you not to read. Do you think that's fair? A hundred percent fair. Not only fair, that's your responsibility to teach your child that sometimes you sit calm even though you want to do something else. Definitely, definitely. You have to make rules, Yaakov. You have to make rules of behavior. 
and the rules is that the Shabbos table, at least the half first part of it, you sit nicely around the table. Okay, once we finished eating and we all ch- chatting, that's fine. Go read your book, come back when we bench, everything is fine. But there are rules in this house. The, the rules are not broken. These are the rules, and you sit nicely. Yeah. It works. Yaakov, it works. I know. I know it does. So uh, what what else? So we have just an incredible uh, smorgasbord here of wonderful ideas about the importance of loving your child. Child knows that you love them. Child knows that you care about them. Uh, this idea of, of, of balance, not everything has to have a disproportionate response. And even when you do have a response to, to, to do it with love, what are some other things? Uh, you know, let's say. Protect uh, them. Protect them. Protection. Yeah, let's talk more about that. They have protection. to feel, they have to feel that they're protected. That the father and mother protect them under any threat. So threat like, for example, so mm-hmm. I have one uh, son. He's always worried. Is the door locked? Is the door locked? What if someone comes? What if someone comes to the middle of the night? What's going to be? So he's, he's worried. He's worried. He's a worry. He's a worrier. Always like he's a little kid. <laughs> it's my Yitzi. He's like, mm-hmm. did you lock the door? Are we sure it's Are we sure it's locked? So it's a little bit. The rest of the kids, they, the 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 door would be wide open. They don't even notice it. Okay, so he's sensitive to that, and you have to comfort that and 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 love him with that, and explain to him that it's not the end of the world. He has a point. It is a risky thing, especially in Houston, Texas. But, you know, Hashem is also protecting us, not only the locked door. No, that's, that's another teaching in the Muna also. Yeah, I, I, I tell him that. I said, who's protecting anyone when they're sleeping? Who made sure that you breathe? You try to stop breathing for five minutes? What's going to happen? <laughs> Who tells your heart to keep on pumping? You feel your heart pumping? Who tells your heart to keep on pumping? Mm-hmm. What if it stops? What's your plan? <laughs> That's what I do. That's, that's what I. You don't have a plan. You, you, you're you're out of luck. <laughs> Curtains. It doesn't mean that you disrespect his his fear, but you explain to him that there are more guards than door locked. There are more guards. It's okay. So it bothers you. So close the door. Not a problem. Close it. Yeah. So okay. what what are the areas? Um, when you talk about the child feels like they're they have protection. What what are some other areas? So we you know we talked about the just the child feeling you know safe and secure. Um, let me ask you a question like this: Let's say the parent, the parents are not doing well financially. God forbid, right? Child's a little scared. What's going to be? You know, um, how does he know that? Okay, but maybe he doesn't know. But he is shouldn't. it is it imperative not- for a parent? To not allow their own insecurities and their own vulnerabilities and their own things that are terrifying them to spill over to their children. Part of the protecting them is to shield them. Well, we have a financial difficulty right now. We had it good before. We'll have it good after. Right now, it's difficult. So right now, we have to be very careful with our finances. What's so wrong you, with that? So you tell the kid, no, we're not going to buy that thing now because – so. Okay, but isn't the kid now a little bit insecure where, you know, they're, they're, maybe their parents can't afford things and uh, what's going to be? And I, I mean, I won't be able to get my new uh, shoes that I want or my new shirt that I want or, or, or tennis racket that I want. You're saying it's okay to tell well, them. It, 
perfectly fine. I think as long, and you can tell this to the children, I never bothered to because I never had an issue, but you can tell the child as long as we have roof over our head and food on our table, the rest is extras. So for that, we need extra money, and we don't always have the extra money. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't, and it's okay if we don't. We're still the same good people. Yeah, that's a beautiful way of putting it. Now, let's say um, there's some, there's a bully, okay? Your, your kid goes to school, and um, maybe he doesn't like the teacher. Teacher, you think he's a little too domineering, and you can't touch sense, because not everyone has the same philosophy. Some people say, no, the kid has to learn. If they don't score well, then we have to shun them. Um, but, the, you know, the, 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 the teacher's a bit domineering. The friends are a bit domineering. The friends uh, disinclude them, right? Uh, you, your child's excluded. Everyone's going to a big party. Everyone's invited to go bowling. Everyone goes out to eat, and your kid's excluded. What do you do? It's a very sad situation. I mean, you can use this for all your children and say, let's talk about it. Why wasn't this and this kid not invited to the bowling uh, game with, with other kids? Why? Oh, because he was a bully himself. He did. They're not pleasant to be in his company. So it has to be, you have to be pleasant. You have to be friendly. You have to be good with the people. You have to, you understand what I'm saying? It's like, it's, it's a lesson. Why did it happen? It happened because something was wrong. And that well, let's say, let, let's say there's actually a bully. Your kid goes to school and uh, there's another kid in the class who's always saying insulting things, maybe even doing things that are harming your child, what do you do? How do you protect the child? How do you protect the child? There are certain things that uh, you have to teach him. You know, if somebody hits you, hit him back. Send him to karate. Right. I mean, karate or just uh, use your your hands. I mean, and, and protect yourself. You have to protect yourself. And, and we don't we don't something. believe you're telling me to turn the other cheek, like some other people say. If someone hits you like this, no, I, <laughs> no way. Of no, course no not. Way I know that. <laughs> <laughs> no, you you have to. Sometimes you have to apologize. Yeah, every one of us sometimes has to apologize because we all make mistakes, and we say, "I'm sorry. I I, I misbehaved. I'm sorry." And I told this to my kids also when I did something wrong, and I did. I would apologize. You know what? That wasn't right that I, I, I don't know, punished you in a certain way. I thought about it, and it was wrong, so I apologized to you. Nothing wrong. You're not God. You're just a father, okay? And you, you're a human being, and you make mistakes, and you can admit it to your children. I think they'll respect you more when you say, hey, I made a mistake. Yeah, he's a human being, this father, after all. Wow. I, I think this is unbelievable. Um, without looking at uh, your recorder, do you, do you ever guess how long we've been talking for? <laughs> it felt like half hour. Uh, it's been 48 minutes. <laughs> so we covered a lot. 40 minutes? Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. We covered a lot. I think it's, it was really uh, unbelievable. I have some more questions I want to discuss, but maybe we'll uh, punt it to next time. What do you say about that? Uh, looking forward. And uh, is it okay, again, if I ask the audience if they have questions, they could email them in? I have some more stuff that I want to discuss, but I would love to have like a segment where we speak to the podfather uh, about uh, some of our own dilemmas that we have uh, in parenting. Um, I could present 
maybe some of mine, but uh, for the audience, uh, you're open to that? I'm very much open. I think that's the be- better way. In yeah. other words, for me to tell you stories is one thing. And for me to give you an idea how to deal with the current issue is another thing. Like and and, and it'll be beneficial not just for the people who have these questions, but also for anyone else. Because new ideas definitely. and different ways of thinking about it uh, can Most help kind of break the paradigm. Um, so anyone who has – anyone of the listeners that has any questions for the podfather – for my father, he should live and be well. Uh, hopefully, we're going to do more episodes like this. Uh, I have some more subjects to discuss still, but I want to kind of keep them within reason. I don't want it to be too long. Um, so we have other subjects that I have to, uh, I want to discuss. Um, you know, what are some common mistakes that people make and how to avoid them, and, and maybe some of the unique challenges that are around today. You know, sibling rivalry. If you have uh, two children, if you're blessed with two or more children, you have to deal, you have to navigate a lot of tricky situations, you know, with, uh, you know, where, you know, one child and the other child don't really get along and you kind of have to play that same balancing game, uh, that you do between, uh, um, teacher and, and student and child. You do this kind of the same kind of, uh, balancing act, uh, between, uh, different children as well. So I'll talk more about that. Uh, but this was, Unbelievable. <laughs> I really, really enjoyed this. And I think uh, everyone who, who who listens to will enjoy it as well. And it's great to have you in the podcast, Abba. It's so nice to be here. And I'm so impressed of how you present things. You're amazing. I wish I would have that language of yours. Well, I, I will tell the audience that my father uh, was born in Israel and is a native Hebrew speaker and studied English kind of on your own. Is that right, Abba? Yeah. On your own as a teenager. Uh, Today, it's part of the standard uh, curriculum in Israel to teach English. I don't know if it was. Did you have any classes in English? You did? Uh, I had private classes in actually writing and reading, reading and writing. In English. Not in speaking. Not in speaking. And I I was always exposed to English-speaking people, so... That helps. That's where it all came Um, from. So... Yeah, this was unbelievable because the, you know, the audience, I think, you know, you could tell that you have a little bit of an accent, but uh, you did it perfectly. You pulled it off. And uh, <laughs> I, I think that if I was speaking in Hebrew, I can't be as articulate as you are in English. So okay, um, thank you very much. This was a Thanks delight. For and I'm looking for, uh, for please got to the next uh, ep- episode as well of The Podfather. And uh, my email address is rabbiwolby at gmail.com. Abba, you want to give your email address as well if someone wants to email you directly? They should send it to you. You'll forward it okay, to me. Okay. So, so if you have any questions, send them my way. Uh, we are actually recording this via Zoom. Uh, my father is in New York, upstate New York, Muncie, New York. And I'm here at the Torch Center in Houston, Texas. And uh, this is the inaugural episode of The Podfather. And uh, please, I will have many more. And as always, the email address is rabbiwolby at gmail.com. Abba, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Thank you, Yaakov, and good luck to you. Be well.